Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of, of course, the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest on Arsenal's pursuit of the Brentford goalkeeper, David Raya. According to reports last night, the Gunners have submitted a formal offer for the Spaniard. We're going to be discussing how Arsenal best cope without Gabriel Jesus for the first few weeks of the Premier League season. And of course, we're going to be previewing that big one on Sunday, the Community Shield final between the Premier League, FA Cup and Champions League winners, Manchester City and Arsenal, who are kind of there by default, having finished second. We'll be talking about the lineup. We'll be talking about the importance of the game. And of course, I'll be sharing with you guys a prediction as well. Good to see so many of you in the live chat box alongside me. Um, Always a buzz when you log on and you see people uh, sort of waiting for the show to begin. So a big, big thank you to you all for your support, as always. If I could just ask you, if you haven't done so already, you know what you're going to get if you're a regular here. So please do leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new as well. That really does help as we continue to creep towards that 30,000 mark here on YouTube. If you're listening on audio, well, then please do leave us a review there because that really does help too. It's the Chronicles of a Guna, the Arsenal podcast. We are live and we've got plenty to get into. Hey everybody, let's get into it then. Let's start off with the news regarding David Raya. The Brentford goalkeeper has emerged as a somewhat shock transfer target for Arsenal over the last few days. Not because He's a bad goalkeeper, not because we haven't been linked with him before, but just simply because it didn't feel like a priority position for Arsenal going into the summer. But uh, perhaps the market uh, and the opportunity that this presents has put Arsenal in a position where they feel like they have to give this a go and they have to make uh, every effort possible to get the goalkeeper in, given that they're probably going to get him at a price that is far less than his value, given how good he's been for Thomas Frank's side over the past few seasons. Fabrizio Romano revealed last night that Arsenal have submitted their opening bid for David Raya. Uh, He says that the proposal is worth £20 million fixed, plus £3 million in add-ons. He also went on to say that Raya has told Brentford that he wants the move and that personal terms have already been agreed between the Spaniard and our wonderful football club. So, where are we at on this? Well, I don't think, first of all, that Brentford are going to accept a deal totaling the value of £23 million. Uh, They've said throughout the summer, they've been adamant for a little while, actually, that they want £40 million for David Raya. I've spoken to some colleagues and friends uh, that follow Brentford who 
are adamant that the club won't accept anything less than that. I disagree. I think that at some point, if this continues, as we get later and later into the window, as we get deeper into the transfer window, Brentford will crumble. And that's not me being disrespectful to Brentford, but, you know, they're not Manchester United. They're not Chelsea. They're not this big global force of a football club that can afford to turn their noses up at this kind of money. I don't think we'll get in for the £23 million that we've offered initially. As I say, I think a deal will be done at something around about £30 million. Now, that is my prediction. That is my feeling. That is not information. I just think that, you know, Arsenal will probably have the figure of 30 in mind as an absolute ceiling for this, given the contract situation of David Raya. It expires his current deal at Brentford at the end of the upcoming season. And he's made it very, very clear from what we understand that he's not going to sign a new one. So if you're Brentford, you take that, you do the deal, you move on from him and, you know, you you rebuild again in that position. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Brentford have brought in a goalkeeper this summer, knowing obviously that there was a good chance David Raya would move away. We've had a lot of discussion, a lot of conversation around the goalkeeping position. Would he be coming in to take over from Aaron Ramsdale or would he be coming in to offer competition? And there's a really interesting social media clip going around today of David Raya in the past talking about how important it is for goalkeepers to have competition. So, you know, he may well be happy to come to Arsenal knowing that he's going to have to fight for his place. And as we've discussed on recent episodes, you know, Competition is always a good thing. There are plenty of games for Arsenal this season. You know, we're back in the Champions League. We've got the domestic cups as well as our Premier League commitments, all the rest of it. There's plenty of time for him to get on the pitch and show what he can do and fight for that place. Also, you know, you fight for your place in training as well. It's not just down to what happens on a Saturday afternoon. So I think if David Raya backs himself, he'll think that he's good enough to give this a good go. We talked a little bit about the impact that this would have on Aaron Ramsdale. And I was a little bit worried over the last few days that, you know, bringing in another goalkeeper would almost clip his wings. Another goalkeeper who's as good as him, I should say, would kind of clip his wings and maybe impact his mood. And we know that his character and his sort of bravado is a big part of why he is such a good goalkeeper and how he gets under people's skin and all of the rest of it. So, Yeah, I mean, that was my opinion two, three days ago. It hasn't changed that dramatically, but clearly Arsenal have a serious interest in David Raya. Clearly Arsenal feel that they need another goalkeeper to come in who is equally as comfortable and competent with the ball at his feet. I wouldn't be surprised, although we haven't heard this, if Matt Turner has asked for a move away, which has pushed Arsenal into doing this deal. He's been heavily linked with a move to Nottingham Forest as well as a number of other clubs. And you've got to think of it like this, right? 23 million is what we've offered in total for David Raya. I think that will be rebuffed. I think that will be rejected. If we did go up to 27, 28 million pounds, but we sold Matt Turner for, I don't know, 10, 15 million pounds, then you take that out of what we've paid. And all of a sudden it isn't such a big investment. It's a 15 million pound investment then, for example, in order to upgrade in that position. And I mean, on paper, Arsenal would be incredibly well stocked in the goalkeeping area if they got this deal done. We talked on yesterday's episode about Aaron Ramsdale's uh, letter in the Players' Tribune. I thought it was fantastic. And just sort of reading the reaction to it from the wider football world um, has made me feel really, really proud that Aaron Ramsdale is our goalkeeper, is our number one at the moment, is an Arsenal player, is a part of the Arsenal family. And 
you know, it reinforces the the thing that I think we've always believed, which is that he's got an incredible character and incredible resilience. And having read that, having seen that, and I know this was penned uh, way before the David Ryan news came out. Obviously, it got released uh, yesterday, but obviously that would have been done prior to this David Ryan stuff really gathering wind. It it almost makes me feel a bit better about the idea of David Raya's arrival potentially having a negative impact on Aaron Ramsdale. Because when you read what he's been through and you read how well he's bounced back from that stuff, it only gives you greater confidence in the man, in the person, in the character, in his ability to overcome difficulties and in his ability to take on challenges. So, yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm really sort of... Uh, really proud of Aaron Ramsdale and and that kind of went some way in convincing me that yeah he has got the mentality he has got the character and um David Raya coming in is is definitely more a good thing than a bad thing i know some of you say in the chat that you would start David Raya ahead of Aaron Ramsdale well what a position to be in having two really really good quality goalkeepers uh, at your disposal that's the kind of position that Mikel Arteta would have dreamt about maybe 2 3 seasons ago the squad is getting better it's getting stronger I've talked about some of the concerns that I have around the balance in certain areas, um, but now it's on the manager because the club have gone out and the club have brought in players that clearly Arteta and Edu feel enhance and improve the squad and the group. And if they're doing that, then there's not really much more you can ask for as a manager. Now it's on you to find the right formula. Now it's on you to find the right balance, the right combinations, um, and, and to be able to manage the situation effectively in a way that gives you performances and, of course, subsequently results. So, yeah, I mean, if Arsenal go and get David Raya as well, they would have spent, what, 220, 230 million pounds, I think, off the top of my head this summer alone. And you factor in everything that they've spent over the last few seasons as well. And, you know, there's there's no reason why there shouldn't be an expectation uh, of a title challenge, an expectation of being really competitive in the Champions League. Uh, having returned to the competition over and after a number of years. So, yeah, exciting times at Arsenal. Really, really exciting times. We don't know um, whether Brentford have accepted this offer. I'd guess that they won't. Um, they'll obviously want to hold out for as much as possible. We're not at desperate stage of the window. It's only the 4th of August. So I think this will rumble on a little while uh, longer. But, um, yeah, you know, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see how this develops. The other news that we've had over the past couple of days, obviously negative news, is the news of an injury to Gabriel Jesus. Now, it's my understanding that Gabriel Jesus uh, has been feeling some discomfort in his knee for a few weeks now. And that's been as a result of some scar tissue uh, that was found in the knee uh, following the operation and the injury that he suffered uh, way back a few months ago after the World Cup, during the World Cup. But obviously he was out for a little while longer beyond that. I understand that that was what was causing the discomfort for Gabriel Jesus and that they took a decision, the club took a decision along with the medical staff uh, to go into the knee and try and remove some of that in order to ease the pressure and the discomfort that he's feeling. Four to six weeks is is what I understand um, he's going to be on the sidelines for. Now, you know, we've still got a bit over a week until the Premier League season starts. He's probably going to miss four or five weeks of the Premier League campaign. And then that begs the question as to whether or not we need to go out and bring in another centre forward. If you need, if you feel 
as a manager and as a club that you need another centre forward anyway. Bear in mind that we still got Enketia, Balogun, Havertz can play there. Trossard could probably play through the middle, as could, I guess, Gabriel Martinelli. If you bear all of that in mind, is there a desperate need for Arsenal to bring in another centre forward? It certainly wasn't at the top of the priority list going into the summer. So is it at the top of the priority list now? Well, the point I'm trying to make here is that I don't think it should jump to the top of the priority list on the premise of four or five weeks, maybe six weeks. If that is all that Gabby Jesus is going to be out for, then I think Arsenal should stick with what they've got, focus on the areas that they do believe need addressing, uh, potentially bring in a, a wide player. Uh, David Raya looks as though he could be coming in as well and um, and worry about the centre-forward position a little bit later down the line. People keep saying that Gabby Jesus is an injury waiting to happen, that he's a big issue, blah, blah, blah. I'd be more concerned, I think, and more worried if this was a new problem, if this was a problem on the other knee, if this was a problem with his ankle, hamstring, groin, whatever. The fact that it is to do with that previous injury and it is something that we believe is quite straightforward to rectify, it gives me confidence that we're not going to have this problem in the long term. And actually, this is something that we're just going to have to cope with for the next four or five weeks. You'd rather do it now than at the business end of the season. And if Gabby Jesus is feeling discomfort, then this has to be dealt with. So if you're talking about bringing in a new striker for the sake of four or five weeks, then I don't think that's sensible. I don't think that's what Arsenal should be looking to do. I don't think Arsenal should rush into signing a centre-forward that they don't believe is the one based on a short-term injury to Gabby Jesus. Now, I think when you look at the squad and you look at the way we've been building over the last few years, I certainly do believe that another high-quality centre-forward is probably the next thing in our process, you know, the the, the next piece to the puzzle. But you're going to have to spend 70, 75 million maybe. Look how much we had to pay for Declan Rice to get in a top quality centre forward. Look how much we paid for Kai Havertz. You're going to have to spend big, 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 big money. And Arsenal, I think over time, will identify who that player is. We'll put in the groundwork just like they did with Rice, just like they did with Havertz, just like they did with Timber and get the deal done when the time is right. But they shouldn't be knee jerk. They shouldn't pull the trigger early and risk getting someone that they're not totally convinced by on the basis of Jesus being out for four, maybe to six weeks now. It might not even be that long, but from what I understand, from what I've been told, that's what it feels like a four to six week stint on the sidelines for the Brazilian. I think that Eddie Nketiah is getting a lot of uh, sort of unfair flack. I think that, you know, I've said repeatedly that I don't think he's as good or as effective as Jesus. And I would probably try something else. Um, maybe Havertz, maybe Trossard, maybe Martinelli. I don't know. Um, I haven't quite made my mind up yet. But what I will say is, is that some of the flack that he's getting is a little bit OTT and, in my opinion, unfair. Is he as good as the Brazilian? No, he's not. We all know that. We've always known that. But is he deserving of some of the abuse that he's getting from some idiots online. Aaron Ramsdale talked about the idiots online uh, that like to abuse, that like to troll. They're not Arsenal supporters. They never, ever will be. You can have an opinion on Eddie, as I do. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's at the level required. I think that he he doesn't bring the same number of different elements to the game that Jesus does. But is he a terrible forward? No, he's not. I mean, his goal record tells you that he's not. Um, look at the, the goal record when he started games and played games regularly. And actually, you'll be pleasantly surprised, I think. So, yeah, let's see. Um, let's see. But 
you know, Mikel's got a decision to make. And I think Mikel will probably, if I'm predicting what's going to happen, will feel like the options he has available to him are good enough, strong enough to not need to be knee-jerk and not need to panic into spending big money on a centre-forward that he's not um, 100% sure on. Okay, uh, that's that. We're going to take a very brief pause. Then we're going to get some of your comments from the live chat box on the subjects we've discussed so far. David Raya, Eddie and Ketia, uh, Gabriel Jesus, all the rest of it. And then we're going to turn our attention to the Community Shield, which is coming up on Sunday at Wembley. Be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of, as I say, the 90-min football family. And of course, Sunday sees the Gunners take on Manchester City in the Community Shield final. Big, big game this uh, for Arsenal, I think. Not because of the trophy that's at stake. Um, it is a friendly trophy. Yeah, we've won it before and it's been great and it puts you in a good mood and it sets a nice tone going into a season. But we've also seen teams win that competition and then have poor seasons by their own standards. So it's certainly not going to it's certainly not going to determine how I feel about Arsenal going into the new campaign. But I think there's an opportunity to get a real win psychologically here over a side that have had our number for a number of years now. Manchester City have been a problem for us and they were a massive problem for us last season. Clearly went on an incredible run at the back end of the campaign, which meant that we had no margin for error. When the errors came in, when the issues creeped in, we couldn't keep our nerve and Manchester City were good enough to then surpass us when that opportunity presented itself. A lot of people looked at Arsenal and said they crumbled and they bottled it. And yeah, we didn't hold our nerve and we weren't good enough ultimately. But people seem to not want to give Manchester City the credit for the run that they went on, which was pretty damn impressive, if we're being honest. But look, we took them on at the Etihad uh, twice last season, once in the FA Cup, where we made a, a hell of a lot of changes. Manchester City didn't. I thought we held our own for large periods, but we ended up losing that game, unfortunately, um, by uh, by a very narrow margin. We gave them a decent game for the first sort of 20, 30 minutes, I thought, at the Emirates in the league. Uh, obviously, Tommy Asu's mistake, giving the ball to De Bruyne, who finished magnificently, put us on the back foot. Uh, in that game, or, or certainly gave uh, the impetus to Manchester City, which, you know, almost gave them what they needed to go on and win it, um, you know, and that was at a really crucial time in the season as well. And then, of course, there was that game at the Etihad in the league where we were battered, absolutely battered. I drove up to the Etihad, uh, sat down in the press box and literally had my head in my hands for the whole 90 minutes because we were second best in every department. It was men against boys. And I honestly do believe that within this Arsenal squad, within this group, maybe within Mikel Arteta's mind as well, there is a bit of an inferiority complex when it comes to City. They have been the benchmark for so long. Everybody knows how great they are. Everybody knows that they're brilliant. And um, yeah, I just, I, I think that Arsenal feel like they're moving forward. And, you know, I listened to Zinchenko's interview yesterday uh, on Five, which is Rio Ferdinand's channel. And he said that when he came to Arsenal, he could see in certain people's eyes that maybe they didn't believe. And I still think that there is an element of that when we come up against Manchester City. And so while I don't think the Community Shield is going to make the world of difference to our season, is going to be a piece of silverware that we're going to be shouting about from the, the rooftops, I think there's a real opportunity to get a psychological 
win over Man City that puts us in a position going into the new campaign where we know that we can beat them, where we know that if we need to take something off them, then we can do that. Because last season, we didn't take anything off of them. We were in the position we were in because we were better against everybody else. But when it came to the crunch time, when Manchester City had opportunities to really dent our lead twice in the Premier League, they were able to do it. And they were able to do it by outplaying us and outclassing us in a number of areas. So I think for these players, for this young group, if you could beat Manchester City, albeit in a friendly competition, I think that really gives you that morale boost that you need to, to go on to that next level, to, to feel confident in taking the game to them and to give you that belief ahead of, you know, a couple of big fixtures again this season. So psychologically, I think this is massive. I really, really do. That brings me on to talk about the lineup. How would I set up against this Manchester City side? Uh, a lot of debate around our team at the moment and the lineups, obviously, because, you know, we've got players missing. Um, you know, we've got uh, issues. We've got real issues uh, up front at the moment. You know, there's a discussion to be had around who should play there. The left back position is a problematic one for us at this moment in time as well, because, of course, uh, we are uh, without Zinchenko at the moment. It doesn't look like Kieran Tierney is the next in line, given uh, that he's been overlooked in pre-season, at least for a starting place. We've seen Tommy Asu play there. We've seen Timber play there. So I guess this is a mixture of what I think the lineup's going to look like against City on Sunday, but also what I want it to be too. So let me just share this with you on the screen for those of you that are watching. So for me, it's Aaron Ramsdale in goal. Uh, no doubt about that. David Raya, uh, I don't think he's going to be signed by Sunday. Uh, and even if he was signed between now and then, it, it's a big thing to throw him in a game like this, I think. But I'd like to see the the return of Ben White and Gabriel to the back line. None of them started, uh, of course, against uh, Monaco on Wednesday night. So my back four would be White at right back, Saliba and Gabriel at centre-back. And I think it's going to be, and it probably should be, Yuri and Timber playing the inverted left-back role. Um, I don't think he looks totally comfortable there just yet. I think he's obviously more comfortable inverting from the right-hand side because being a right-footed player, that is a more natural movement. Also, I think when you're asked to then get back into your full-back position and defend, you want to be on your stronger side. So it's not ideal, but I trust Timber to play there more than Tomiyasu at this moment in time. And clearly, Mikel Arteta doesn't trust Kieran Tierney to do that role, a role that he's struggled, I think, to get to grips with over the course of the last 12 months or so. My midfield would look like this. It would be Partey as the uh, number six. It would be Rice uh, as one of the eights, because I think whoever plays as, uh, as the left eight is going to have to help out and protect Timber that little bit more, particularly if we want to keep Martinelli high up the pitch, as we tend to do. Uh, but yeah, I think that gives us kind of the right balance in midfield with Odegaard playing in there too. So a midfield trio of Partey, Rice and Odegaard for me, which I think is our best midfield trio. No doubt about it, Bakayo Saka, who suffers from a bit of sickness in midweek, if he's fit, if he's available, if he's good to go, he starts from the right-hand side. Martinelli from the left as well, um, who I think looked really, really lively at times on Wednesday. Uh, he's still trying to get into his rhythm, I think. He's still not quite at his brilliant best uh, as we build up to the new campaign. But he is such a handful, Gabriel Martinelli. I want to see him play through the uh, from the left. And through the middle, after a lot of deliberation, I've come to the conclusion that I want to see Leandro Trossard play as the centre forward 
Um, I want to see him be the one to receive the ball, to drop that bit deeper. I want to see him link up with Saka and Martinelli. He is the assist king after all, Leandro Trossard. So he'd be bringing a lot of what Jesus brings to the table. Um, but also having him there means that he can interchange with Martinelli and Saka in a way that I don't think Eddie and Ketia can do as effectively. Trossard can drift out left and create space for Martinelli to come inside. Likewise, he can do the same for Saka by drifting to the right-hand side. So I think he, for me, is the go-to option right now. I expect there to be plenty of changes in this game, uh, sort of mid-game, in-game. I think it is obviously going to be a competitive fixture. Neither side want to lose it. But I do think that um, I, I do think that we'll see other players get minutes. I just think for me, this is the eleven that you go with. So uh, let me just run that back to you guys, to those of you that are listening on audio. So for me, it's Ramsdale in goal, a back four of White, Saliba, Gabriel, and Timber at left back. Partey, Rice, and Odegaard would be my midfield trio, with Saka on the right, Martinelli on the left, and Leandro Trossard through the middle at centre forward, covering, of course for the injured Gabriel Jesus. So that's my Arsenal side to face Manchester City in the Community Shield final. I've talked about the importance of the game already. I, I don't think there's any more to be said on that. But I think what I need to do is give you guys some sort of prediction. Now, I'm going to base this prediction on Arsenal's preseason alone. I haven't seen much of Man City in preseason. Um, seen a few highlights here and there, but I'd be lying if I said I've watched them. Um, but knowing what we know about them from previous seasons knowing what we know about the quality they have at their disposal, I do think they're going to win this. Um, I think that I'm a little bit concerned. I have been concerned about the lack of balance in Arsenal's side. I think we've got players in there who are still finding their feet and haven't managed to do it as quickly as Zinchenko did when he came in last summer, as Jesus did when he came in last summer. So I think, you know, Timber left back is a bit of an issue, a bit of a worry, a bit of a concern. Maybe that'll put Mikel off of picking him there. I don't know. But that concerns me. Rice is still finding his feet as well. I think he needs a bit of time, not to adapt to the Premier League because he's been in it for donkey's years, but because he needs to adapt to the system and understand the needs and demands of, of what Mikel Arteta's game model, you know, requires, I guess. So he's one I'm a little bit concerned about. And then, of course, I say I'm a bit concerned about, not because I don't think he's a good enough player, but, you know, he's coming up against the very best and he's still finding his feet. And then you've got Trossard playing through the middle if Mikel Arteta goes with the team I've selected, a player who's not naturally a centre-forward and he's going to also have to adapt his game uh, in order to be uh, effective for us in that position. So I'm going to go with a Manchester City win. I'm going to say 3-1, um, you know, it's it's kind of difficult as well to to make a firm prediction because fitness levels vary. Um, you know, I don't know where Man City are at necessarily in terms of their preseason. The other thing that you could factor in that probably would give you a bit more confidence is that they tend to be slower starters. They tend to be a side that grow into the season. And maybe just sort of thinking about it over the last few days where I've been talking about Arsenal not quite finding their rhythm yet, not quite looking sharp enough yet. Perhaps they or perhaps Arteta's learned a lesson and is maybe figuring out how he can, you know, keep a little bit back at the beginning in order to make sure that we can prolong um, and sustain our energy levels for a longer part of the season. Because it did feel like there was a bit of burnout there at the back end of last season. You'd hope that's been addressed with the squad uh, being bigger and growing and, and with us adding more quality over the summer. But 
you know, maybe there's an element of that as well. I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating game. It's going to be a good measure of where Arsenal are at, how we're getting on. And um, yeah, we'll see on Sunday. But my prediction is Arsenal one, Manchester City three, as much as it kills me to say it. Right, guys, I am going to love you and leave you because I do need to head off uh, to work. Uh, if you're uh, at a loose end today and you fancy tuning in, uh, head over to Talk Sport 2 uh, because I am going to be on uh, hosting duty. I am hosting the show today alongside Arsenal man Adrian Clark. Now, it doesn't get better than that if you're an Arsenal fan. Adrian Clark in the hot seat. Uh, talking to me. We're going to spend a good hour talking about the Arsenal as well between 3 and 5 p.m. Uh, so make sure that you tune in. Is it 5 p.m.? I think so. 3 to 6, I think, is the full show. But there's going to be a, a specific Arsenal hour. So make sure you check that out. TalkSport 2, you can listen via the app, uh, via your uh, radio, obviously, DAB, all the rest of it. And you can find it via the TalkSport website as well. Uh, but I'm going to love you and leave you. We'll do questions on the next episode. Uh, until next time, take care of yourselves and up the Arsenal. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.